0: Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Elaine's mission? End the silence, stigma, and shame about suicide, ideation, and mental health. Sharing your burden can lighten your load. Elaine says we must normalize the conversation to make it easier for you to voice your pain and be able to ask for help. Reaching out to another human being when you're in need of a listening ear must become the norm. Please note, the Suicide Zen Forgiveness podcast is for education only. Some of this subject matter could be triggering. For those of you that are either grieving or having mental health problems, please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. And now, here's your host, Elaine Lindsay.
1: It's great to be back with you. And today, I'm really thrilled to introduce you to our guest, Alicia Christian. She is a force to be reckoned with, an actress, singer, doctorate in nursing practice, and she's the host of the Eating Me podcast. After over 10 years away from the entertainment world, Alicia is ready to share her ability to engage an audience through her storytelling, sultry and gospel-based vocal stylings, or by way of interviewing individuals sharing stories about how eating has affected their lives on a personal or professional level. Beyond the entertainment realm, Alicia is a certified pediatric nurse practitioner. Children are magical and generally want to be their best selves each and every day. Alicia prides herself in assisting the pediatric population in providing preventative health education as well as treatment to help them lead lives they are meant to have as they approach adulthood. Alicia says, I'm a jack of all trades that has mastered how to do what I want in this life. What I want to do is to be a blessing to those that I encounter. The hope is they go out in the world and do the same. And today, we're going to go a little deeper into more personal subjects with Alicia. So I really am quite honored to have her with me today. And so I'm going to go right ahead and tell you all about my guest. Alicia Christian has agreed to join me today, which, uh, for which I am very grateful. It's really wonderful when you can find guests that uh, you feel aligned with. And I believe through everything that you've already heard about Alicia You'll understand why I feel that way. Thanks so much for joining me.
2: Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you, Elaine, for having me on the show today. This is awesome. Thank you.
1: (laughs) So our show, Suicides and Forgiveness, is always about suicide loss, ideation, and mental health. And you really don't have to reach far in order to find someone in your circle, if you will, Mm-hmm. that has suffered a loss. And uh, that's why we're here today. Alicia's going to share with us her story.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. First of all, I just want to say just thank you for having this platform because I know people that have had either someone they've lost, which is my story, or dealing with someone who is struggling with these mm-hmm. like suicidal ideations and stuff, it's hard to express to other people who've never experienced it, what it's like. And every one of us, we have our own way of dealing with it and how we process it and whatever, but it's still like we're a part of the same, I hate to say it, but like the same club, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: and so my sister, my, so I'm the youngest of six. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the youngest of six and... From a very religious home. And growing up in a religious home, there are certain things that God's going to take care of. And mental health was one of those things, because that was in my home growing up at the time, it was something that the devil had put upon oh. him, whoever. Right. And we're going to pray this away. God's got it. And if something has happened to where it's not worked out, there's something wrong with you. Like you're not coming to God's will or whatever that looks like. And so with my sister, she was sexually abused. Actually, the majority of my siblings and myself included, we were all sexually uh, abused by family members. Uh. And so she struggled with processing that. And then also the fact that she was dealing with being a lesbian in this was in the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was just
1: that's a lot of pile on, eh?
2: Pile up, and yeah. in the 1980s, regardless of the fact that it was the 80s, we also grew up in a very religious home, yeah. And for a lot of African American families, you just don't talk about that, even if you're not religious. No. Like, you know, being gay is it was the m- most taboo thing on the planet. And I'm, that's even across the board with other cultural backgrounds as well. Oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> you know? Absolutely.
2: Yeah. But with my experience, that was the thing. Like We didn't talk about it. It was something that we knew about. We would talk behind her back about it. And so she knew that. So the, all that was there, right? And wow. trying to resolve her own battles with being sexually molested and our parents not really having the tools to deal with that. Yeah. So she struggled a lot mentally in my, with, like, growing up. So like I said, I was the youngest. And so I'm seeing a lot of this through a child's eyes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the, like I said, I'm the youngest of six and my oldest sibling, which is my brother, he's 10 years older than me. So mm-hmm. I grew up with basically like teenagers and they were adults yeah. by the time I was, like, by the time I was a teenager. So seeing her grow up, and become an adult woman and still have these struggles, it was hard for me because I was so young. And it's even though that's my sister, I'm still like a kid. So I just didn't know what I could do if I could do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first time I knew that she had mental health concerns, I believe I was like in middle school. And a lot of this, a lot of her mental health concerns were kept away from me until she was hospitalized. The first time she attempted, or that I knew that she was she right, attempted right. to take her life. And I remember one day we were going, we, my mom said to me, we're going to go see Carla. And I was like, where is she? Because we all live in the same house. And there were so many people in our house all the time. Like, people <laughs> yeah. all over. So it was like, sometimes if you didn't see somebody, it wasn't that, you know, whatever. We, we were just always going. We all had our own yeah. thing going on. So the day that she said we we're going to go see her, I was like, well, why don't we just stay and wait for her to come home? Like, where are we yeah. going? <laughs> yeah. What is happening? And then once my mom explained to me that she has been struggling with mental health concerns and I've had no choice, but to, she requested, basically my sister requested to be hospitalized. And my mother was devastated because like I said before, growing up very religious. Oh yeah. Like, that was something that other people did. That was secular. That was nothing of God. And my mom, because my sister had struggled for so long, and I had no idea, I guess she finally was like, okay, clearly I need to change my approach. Yeah. So that's when she was hospitalized. And when I went to see her, it was as if she was a completely different person. Mm -hmm. And... I just didn't understand I didn't understand. Like I said, I was in middle school, I was like 12, 13 yeah. years old. So I was just like, who is this person? I recognized her features, but the spirit, her energy, yeah. the flat effect, obviously was because she was medicated. I just was completely just taken aback. I was like, what is happening? And so this went on for years where she would be hospitalized. She would come back out and just probably one of the most beautiful spirits I've ever encountered in my life. My sister was literally one of the best people I ever met in terms of just being a good, generous person. But the battle that she had, it was in so many ways, it was just stronger than what she could handle. And she went on to become a social worker and she moved, I'm from Indiana, right? She was a social worker and um, worked at a hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana and made huge changes within their particular mental health program, which was so amazing to me that she went into this field because she was like, okay, I'm assuming, I, I never talked to her about it, but I'm assuming she went into it thinking, maybe the more education I get behind this, it'll help me in some way. And I can still be a blessing to those because I can share with them, I struggle too. She, like I said, she went into mental health and, like I said, did a lot of great work, but it still just didn't work in her favor in that way. And so, like I said, growing up and just seeing that, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I'm following this, this all in a good in a way that makes sense, but even though she had so many accomplishments, like I said, that was there was a stifle there with her, and at some point, she moved away. She moved to Atlanta with my other sister. She got a job at another hospital in Atlanta, and she was doing really well there. And I, at that time, I was an adult and I had moved to New York, so I just thought everything was fine. Yeah. You know? I didn't know that she was still struggling in that way. Her medication was regulated from what I knew. My parents, at that, my mother, my father had passed by then, but my mother was on board with the fact that she was managing her mental health. And she was, I don't know if my mom would say, quote unquote, okay with the fact that she was a, a lesbian woman, but she would accept her partners when they would come around. And I thought things were, we were doing well. And it's still cloudy to me as to where things went south with her deciding to take her life. But like I said, she moved to Atlanta. She met her then, her partner there. And there were some things that happened with her job I believe that were really stressful. And I think that started her back into this spiral of wanting to, yeah. She had attempted a few times while she was in Atlanta and came back home to my mother and stayed with her for a while. But then she attempted to take her life at my mom's home.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember... My sister, one of my another sister of mine, she was sharing with not me directly, but it was just a group of us, like a few a family. And she said she, when she my mom found her and they sent her to the emergency room. And luckily she was revived that time. And my sister that was sharing the story, like I was saying before, she said that she was back there with my mom, just trying to support my mom at the time. and when they were able to see my sister, she went back to her and she said, "Carla, do, do you? Was this a good decision for us to revive you?" Which I thought was pretty radical for my family to say. Wow, because I I, I know my, my my older sister that was actually talking to her. I know because she's also a social worker, and I think she understood it on the side of the work that she does and saying, are you this tired?
1: Yeah. And the pain that your sister, that Carla was in. Right. Comes a point where you've attempted that many times. Yeah. And I understand why your, your sister and in actual fact, that was very compassionate.
2: Yeah. And I, and some people, I've said this to people just in general, I said to see her go through what she did go through, mm-hmm. I feel now that she's at peace. And there's, there's conflicting thoughts and feelings of how people kind of view people who have taken their lives, who have actually mm-hmm. been successful with it. For me, and just seeing her struggle, for the time that she did. Yeah. I it hurts that she's not here anymore because of how amazing she was. But at the same time, I am I'm happy for her, if yeah. that makes sense.
1: I understand what you're saying. And because it's really hard to watch people we love suffer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It was so hard and I just remember the last time I remember her being hospitalized and I vaguely remember her just saying, it's just this, meaning this life, she's, it's just not worth it. And I've never had those thoughts and feelings. I can't imagine what that feels like to feel like it's just not worth it. It's just, it. it it's always been a thing for me to just try to take care of myself mentally.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I don't know all the ins and outs when it comes to the mental health side. So I'm a nurse practitioner, I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner, but the mental health side to me, people will always ask me, why didn't you go into mental health? I was like, for me, it's too personal. One, yeah, it's- Absolutely. Way personal. It's way too personal for me. And so, because I don't have all the knowledge and all the latest information about it, I wonder, especially with my sister, what else could have been done? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. That's that. Would I don't know? I don't know. There that anything could have been done to really al- allow her to stay here.
1: Well, it, pardon me, but when you were children, mm-hmm. if things hadn't have been done, yeah, she would not have gone there. And that's a whole. So, yeah, that's a whole other thing.
2: It's so awesome that you mentioned that because my um, mother, with the tools that she had, she thought that she was offering my sister some type of guidance or support in the way of pushing the narrative that being a Christian and trusting in God and all this praying would actually not only help her mentally, but help her eradicate being a lesbian woman. And also take the thoughts and feelings that she had about being molested as a child away, that God would actually wash all that away. But then I find out later that my mother was also a victim of sexual molestation.
1: And I was just about to ask you, because it is, a perpetual cycle yeah I know that for a fact Mm -hmm. myself my mother yeah and in a different way we were religious I was brought up Catholic Mm -hmm. and yeah and I'm going on 68 so when I was a child you didn't talk about anything outside of your family you just did not and more to the point, or mental health, or being molested, a man interfered with my aunt in the building we lived in. Mm. And the husbands went after him. Oh, wow. Badly. And my aunt and uncle were evicted. Wow. And they made it difficult for the other Scottish people that lived in the buildings because they had gone after him. The weird thing is I found out many years later because I never told my parents until I was in my 40s what happened to me. And it was very minimal as far as things go. But as it turns out, my mother ended up having to be involved in a court case Mm. and everything because her uncles found out as she ran away from the house, she got away and went running through the park. And my uncles were coming out of uh, a bedding place and they saw her and I guess saw how disheveled she was. And they got the information from her. Mm. It was someone that they knew and they went and literally almost killed him. Wow. And she had to testify against them. As a teenager it just when I found it just broke my heart and I started doing research and realized that it's you will find it in family, somewhat like I had mentioned to you earlier about sexual uh, childhood sexual abuse survivors. you know each other. yeah everybody has that understanding. It's unfortunate because some children that are in the foster system that are, have big families with a lot of perps in the family Mm -hmm. will be passed around because they know each other too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking. And it's so funny that you say that because that's, so with my family and the sexual abuse, we're like, we're like going on this. I was like, wow, this, I didn't know what was going to happen, but here sure. we are, here we are. But with my family, we were always together to some degree. And it was, we have a huge family. And so because of that, a lot of times the, those things would happen in certain events and no one would know it was happening
1: yeah.
2: because yeah. the perpetrator had taken you somewhere yeah. and whatever. And then when we would tell parents or whoever, it was a thing of that never happened. We're not talking about that anymore. And so you just never felt-
1: Validated.
2: Validated or supported. Like you just didn't feel safe. And I, I wonder mm-hmm. if that was another thing my sister struggled with because yeah. even though we, would, we had shared this stuff with my mom, and that was still our family in her eyes. And, and you don't go against family.
1: No. And because your mom had also been down that road, yeah. there were two generations of silence. Mm-hmm. So that'd be another reason that she probably couldn't understand how deeply it affected your sister. But we're all so different. Yes. Five of us can have the same experience and not one of us has the same outcome, the same reaction as we are so different.
2: And that's so funny because... I- I was actually sharing with a, with another sister of mine, something similar to that, just saying we were talking about something that was traumatic that happened. And I said to her, she's like, I don't understand we all grew up in the same house. Like how? And I was like, but you have to understand your perception of something is different than my perception. And we can go on and on. We're all individuals and how we perceive things is different. And we have to acknowledge that and allow that person and hold space for that person because yeah. to dismiss them and gaslight them, that is not yeah. helpful. No. It's not helpful. Oh, I went through it too, right? It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like, No, <laughs> I'm telling you how I feel about this. Yeah. This yeah. is, it's really affecting me. And that was something that was shared a lot with my mother from that sister, my sister, Carla and other sisters But the other sisters, it just, it did, not that it didn't affect them in the way that it affected Carla, but they also felt not validated by my mom as well, but it just didn't affect their mental health in the way that it affected my sister, Carla. And
1: not only that, you didn't see them as they became adults 24-7. Right. So we don't necessarily see how things affect us.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and where that goes for different people, because we're all so different
2: and it's it's just so wild and so I know my mother, particularly when my sister actually was successful with the suicide. my mother was she felt so guilty for so long yeah. Yeah. and unfortunately, a sister another sister of mine another sister of mine definitely said her that. My, my mother was the reason yeah. that this happened. And I was still young or, and I've always felt young. So I never felt like my voice counted. Yeah. So I, I to interject and say something, it was I was always the baby. So I was like, and I've I always. See, you're
1: still the baby. St-
2: I, I, to this day, like I am 45 years old. I'll go home and people are like, oh, there's the baby. I'm like, I'm 45, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is what it is, but. You all have like our role in our family, but yeah. I just never felt like I could just stand up and say anything in those types of conversations yeah. because I've always been the baby and who's listening to the baby? Yeah. Let's be serious. So I, I, in some ways I, that would, it hurt me that my mom had to take on that yeah. burden because it was like, was it all my mom? I don't mm-hmm. want to, I, I don't see that. And it's
1: not. No, and that's in, in you acknowledging that she, too, had been through the same thing. We can't put the blame on her, okay? Because she had that damage as well. Right. And obviously coped with it the best she could in her time. And it can be even more debilitating. hmm For those that are seeing it happen to the next generation. Right. Because what we all came from was such silence. Yes. And such cover-ups and secrets and and Mm -hmm. whatever. That you can only, when you know better, you do better. And the fact is, there was no way for her to know better.
2: And my mother, just from what I know about her life, she was... Constantly sort of just trying to survive. but even when she was married, with my my father was a gr- he was great. He provided my mom worked because she just wanted to, basically. <laughs> but she still had this survivor's mentality because she grew up in poverty. And I think growing up in poverty and dealing with all the other things, the external things that she had to deal with, she never had the opportunity to unravel that and process it in a way that would allow her to feel safe and just be and then change certain behaviors. Like you said, when she's had the, when she was told about her children also going through this type of thing, it was just like, how is that possible? How is that possible? And then also I don't even know what to do with this information because no one has ever even (laughs) probably even knew that she was molested herself. And I, can attest to that because I remember her talking to one of my aunts, her sister, and we were on a, we were on vacation um, somewhere and they were in a, we were in a car driving somewhere and somehow they got on a conversation about when they were younger. And my mom was, they talked, they were talking about some man and how he was just a nasty, very Southern woman. Oh, he was a nasty old man. <laughs> yep. Yep. And my mother said to my aunt, she's, he touched me. And my aunt was like, what? And and they went on and talked about it. And my aunt started crying and she's, it wasn't him. Somebody else had done the same to her. And that dialogue was happening right before me. And I was like, oh, this is a thing because it happened to me. So I was like, is this normal? But I never knew that this would happen to my mother. So I had never shared with my mother. But to know that they had gone through that, and this is probably their first time even talking about this yeah. at this point, they're almost, I'm assuming my, my mom was almost in her sixties talking about this. It was like, oh, okay. Now looking back, this all makes sense. This all makes sense. She was beyond a grown woman, adult children. And she's just now sharing with her yeah. sister yeah, and her sister doing the same with her, that they both were victims of sexual molestation. It's wild.
1: Yeah. And the horrible thing is we are in the majority. Yeah.
2: Wow. It's unreal. It's mind boggling. And I I wish these types of conversations would have been around when my sister was around. Yeah. Once again, I don't know if that would have been something that would have helped her to stay around. But I think it would have provided some type of reassurance of, oh, I'm not by myself. I'm not alone. This way I am validated, maybe not by my mother, but other people are having these conversations and I can be a part of that collective and try and heal in some way, right? Um,
1: It's like this, the Me Too movement. mm -hmm. In a way, it's the best next step. Because the silence about everything that was secretive, silence about everything from suicide to molesting to all of it, it has to stop. Yeah, yeah. And I I have to say, millennials and Gen Z are, they can be incredibly annoying. (laughs) I will say that. (laughs) My grandkids. They have a a certain inner knowing almost that they matter and they're just not going to put up with the things that we did. Right. They're not going to be quiet. And I think that is the best thing that could happen.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful. I have a 16 year old. So I see it in real time all day, every day. And she is the the person I wish I were at sixteen. Oh yeah. Sometimes, I, sometimes even now I'm like, I wish I had the nerve to say though. Oh yeah. 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 But I see her standing in her being and unapologetic, and just the the discernment that she has. It's just oh, yeah. wow. It's beautiful. But like you said, sometimes just pump the brakes. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But. Yeah, yeah. I, I I definitely see that that aura of I matter, and yeah. I if you're not gonna stand up for me, I'm gonna stand up. I'm for you. gonna exactly that's the essence. Exactly. I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah,
1: it so is, and and I I certainly not before time.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really great to see her and even her friends in that type of space, just really standing up for themselves and just being so passionate about taboo things that we would have ne- like, oh, yeah. never yeah. thought about, talking about other adults about and confronting mm-hmm. them in ways of saying, this is wrong. We need yeah. to do it. Like, yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: And I don't want our audience to think that we're being hidden in the clouds because yeah, we still have a ludicrous amount of bullying. We still yeah. have Kids being pressured to do things they're not ready for, and we still have that. But this last two generations, I think they have a better chance, yeah, because so many of them are standing in their truth, yeah, no matter what we say,
2: right? And even down to the bullying and harassment, because I also work in schools, it's there. It is so palpable in some ways. But like you said, a lot of the kids are more open and willing to talk to adults in ways that I would have never talked to adults. I would have never Mm -hmm. trusted an adult to handle Mm -hmm. what I thought was my business (laughs) because I was like, how would you even understand what to do? Or I don't want to make at least I could say on my end, when those things were happening to me, I didn't want to cause more problems.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and for me, the Catholicism is guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. So that's really, did not know what exactly was wrong, but I knew something about this was wrong. Yeah. Therefore I must be at fault. Yes. And because it happened after my aunt,
2: Mm.
1: I thought in my head was, oh, I don't want to get the family kicked out. Yes. Like, I don't want them to beat up somebody else. This isn't a good thing. Yes. And I took it upon myself, but I was always one to fight my own battles.
2: Yeah. I can attest to that. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I think too, because even beyond mm-hmm. my sister, I've lost other family members to the battle of suicide. And I think basically just like we just said that fighting our own battles, my sister was a person that would fight her own battles. Mm-hmm. I had a cousin who lost the his life to suicide in 2020.
1: Oh.
2: And he was a person that would fight his own battles. It was a shocker because he was so together, so put together, like, yeah. He was he's been he was in magazines for one of the top what do they call it? It's like people under 40 who are very successful. I'm yeah. butchering that, but he was I'm 40 under 40. Yes, top 40 under 40. He was a yeah. top 40 under 40. And just had we just thought he was just so together and didn't realize yeah that he was battling with so many mental health concerns because he would just keep it all in and I can handle it. I can tackle it because I'm so successful and all these other things. How can I not be successful with managing my mental health? So I think for those people who do manage things on their own or attempt to manage things on their Mm -hmm. own, I think things like podcasting, like this type of platform is so important because even if they're not in a place now to share, maybe these messages that are happening will allow them to realize that it's possible. Like you can reach out. You don't have to do it yes. by yourself. Yeah, You don't. There it's are like, people that will, that are willing and want to support you in whatever oh way. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: yeah. And if we can open that door just a little for even one person. Yeah.
2: That's so important. It is. And I hope that more people have that opportunity to see that you are you are important to somebody.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And even though you're dealing with whatever you're dealing with when it comes to your mental health concerns and not feeling worthy or whatever that is and you're feeling like you're not your life is not important, the hope is that there's something that you can find joy in. Yeah. Yeah. And there's someone that wants to see you in that joy even though you might not feel that there is somebody that wants to see you in that joy and living your best life. And it's just, and just, my thing is I'm all about like just calling out to the universe, calling out to God, asking, where is that joy? Where is that person? Show me. And if that's something that will help somebody, I say, just reach out to the universe, reach out to God, whatever you believe in and just say, where is that joy for me? Where is that person that can just, and allow that to come into your life. And just try to make those changes because I think that's a lot of it. It's just reaching out and just saying, "I need help." I need absolutely,
1: help. absolutely. And it's I, I'm the eternal Pollyanna.
2: I just I will look
1: for the good in anything.
2: That's me. This is so weird. I'm like you. Yeah. You're me parallels right
1: now. <laughs> so, you know, you take me to a barn
2: full of horseshit,
1: and I guarantee you, I'll start digging because there's yeah. a pony in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, that's I my that. philosophy i love that but i found after a lot of years mm-hmm. of being a victim and yeah. going through trauma and ideation and all of those things the minute i started being grateful yes for all the little things mm-hmm. oh my god they pile up Yes, they pile up And the minute you start being kinder to you Mm -hmm. and not trying to do it all yourself, the world opens up and you realize that it is full of really nice people. Yes. Who also just want to succeed. Yeah. And as long as you maintain that gratitude, and as you say, look to the universe and God and ask Where your joy is, absolutely. I think that's such a beautiful way to put it.
2: Yeah, i I wish I wouldn't have taken the baby role (laughs) and said things, but I think now I have that opportunity to say the things to people to help one person. That that is always my hope. Is I just want to be a blessing and not a burden. That's always my thing. I, I want to be a blessing and not a burden. Seriously,
1: absolutely wonderful wonderful, words
2: for sure <laughs> you have and to.
1: my ask of everybody lately is I would like people, everybody to just one person once a month give somebody you don't know 10 minutes and just listen mm. listen to what they have to say let them tell you what's important to them. I'm not asking you to change the world. I'm not asking you to do anything huge. Mm-hmm. But if everyone, our audience, us, all the people we're attached to do that, there will be no more people that are all alone in this world. Yeah. And,
2: and that's my wish. Yeah. That is beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you. You are welcome. Oh my gosh. This was amazing.
1: I just, I said before the show started, I just, you have the most beautiful smile. Oh, thank you. And you just radiate, which I think is wonderful. I'm, I'm feeling blessed to have you on the show.
2: Thank you. And I, I am blessed to have had the opportunity to share. And I, it's, I didn't know how I was going to be able to do this today. But I, at the same time, it was like, I felt called. So when you reached out, I was like, yeah, this is, this has to be something that I share with others because I know someone out there can relate. So thank you. Thank
1: you. And and I thank the universe and, and God <laughs> yes. or whatever people call yeah. on because in reading all the wonderful things that you do, it doesn't necessarily mention what I do. Mm. But the universe pulled kept pulling me back to this one post.
2: Right. It
1: was like, you don't have to hit me over the head anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Got it.
2: <laughs>
1: I love it. I love I'm it. much more aware now when my questions and when my requests are answered. Yeah. Because we often will put it out to God in the universe that, oh, I need this or I would like this or whatever. And then we just close our eyes and don't pay any attention. And it's all around us.
2: Just be willing to receive it. Be willing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning that myself. I'm still like really just trying to be open and just and be aware and not just not all the external to just cloud it is no
1: yeah Feel? yeah I'm here to say the learning and, and the being open it, it doesn't end
2: you gotta keep trying it's so funny that's one thing I've realized too is there's no destination in this thing of life there's no, no destination we're constantly learning it's just a yeah. journey yeah. and I'm just wanting to be as open as possible on this journey and just keep learning like I thought once I graduated and did all the things with schooling, I was like, I will be at the pinnacle. I'll be at the top. There's no top, Alicia. You just keep going.
1: <laughs> and you widen the yes. knowledge that you take in. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I think the greatest gift you have is curiosity. Yes. Because as long as you're curious, mm-hmm. you will not stagnate.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I consider myself a pretty, I've always been called nosy when I was a uh, kid. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and nosy. nosy.
2: Yes, that, yeah, that was always my report card that I yep. love to talk to people. And my everyday, they would call me the, it was, they called me Miss Liz. There was a woman across the street who was very nosy. She knew everyone's business. And so her name was Elizabeth. So that I took on the name of Miss Liz because I was apparently <laughs> like <laughs> Miss Liz across the street. So <laughs> well, I, it,
1: it's not, and it's not nosiness. It's actual inquisitive yeah. curiosity. Mm-hmm. Because it's amazing if you let someone tell them, tell you about them. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's amazing what
2: you hear. It is Just
1: amazing.
2: Yeah, I love people, and I love hearing their stories. That's one oh, of my, yeah. it's one yeah. of my favorite things. It's like everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Yes, they do.
1: Absolutely. Everybody has a story and everybody has a special gift. Yes. I used to tell my children and who happened to be nine years apart. Uh-huh. I used to tell them when they were young that you could never make fun of another person mm. because they can't do what you do because they'll have a talent that you don't have. And I worked at a place called Rideau Regional Hospital School Uh as a volunteer. And then I was hired as a teenager and they paid me for the summer. And I worked with extremely handicapped adults and children and was there for a few years. And every single one of those people had some kind of talent. Hmm. that that I didn't have and that my friends didn't have. And I started watching people and realizing that, yeah, everybody's got
2: something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful just about humanity in general. It's like the more that we sh- lo- allow people to know that there's something beautiful about that, there's something special, there's some type of talent and express that. You're on this planet for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, hone into that and just shine. Seriously. <laughs> Absolutely. Like yeah. somebody
1: does something nice for you. If the, the waitress is very quick about bringing your coffee or, or doing right. whatever, tell her. Yes. Say thank you. Yeah. We are so quick to tell when something bad happens. And I know I'm very good at that. <laughs> right. But I make a point of yeah. telling people when they do a good job. Yeah. Because quite often they don't get that at all. Yeah. They just get the bad stuff. Yeah, it's true.
2: Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's me. That's my hope is to constantly just be spreading more positivity, more love. It's like, there's so many things happening right now in the world. It's let's yeah. act that with more love and joy and positivity. Seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: It, this this has been wonderful.
2: Um, oh, absolutely. thank you so much.
1: I so enjoyed talking to you. I think we, we're going to have to do this again.
2: Please. I would love to. I would. This Perfect. Would be, yes. Perfect. Because
1: yes. I, I think we have a lot more to talk about.
2: Yes, for sure. Blaine, this is the best. Thank you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Alicia Christian has been my guest today. And you will be sure and check out everything in the transcripts that will be below the podcast. Along with all her links and information. I thank you, Alicia, so much for being with me today. I'm Elaine Lindsay. This is Suicide Zen Forgiveness. And as always, make the very best of your today, every day. And I'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for being here for another inspiring episode of Suicide Zen Forgiveness. We appreciate you tuning in. Please subscribe and download on your favorite service and check out SZF's YouTube channel or Facebook community. If you have the chance to leave a five-star rating or review, it'd be greatly appreciated. Please refer this to a friend you know who may benefit from the hope and inspiration from our guests. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by the following sponsors. Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you rocking page one in the search results. Canada's keynote humorist Judy Croon, motivational speaker, comedian, author, and stand-up coach at Second City, Judy has been involved for over a decade in the City Street Outreach Program in Toronto. Lisa Sugarman, Boston-based author, columnist, and crisis counselor with the Trevor Project, America's largest suicide and crisis support network for at-risk LGBTQ+ youth, storyteller with the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Nami, survivor of suicide loss and mental health advocate. Lisa's purpose aligns with Elaine's as Lisa shares content and sparks conversations to help end the stigma of suicide and connect people with the support and hope they deserve. Do you have a story to share? Do you know someone you think would be a great guest? Please go to szf42.com and for our American listeners, that's szf42.com Thank you for listening and we hope to see you again.